Testing. Dr. Kemp, testing. Can you hear me? Come on in. Hey, Dr. Burke. Good evening. I'm here. All right. You sound good. I'll put you back on mute. All right. Testing. Mr. Williams, Damien, how you doing? Dr. Bird, are you there? Dr. Bird, I'm doing well. How are you? I am wonderful. And, and thank you so much uh, for coming on. We're going to put you on mute. And then about 25 minutes or so, we're going to be ready to go to the interview. But uh, enjoy the show, okay? Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward. Thank you so much. All righty.
nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Good evening, and welcome to another evening of Dr. Cliff Burton Friends, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports, HBC athletics, and a whole lot more. And so tonight, I want to open up my co-host. I want her to say hello to uh, our audience, Dr. Marlo Kemp. Say hello to everybody, Marlo. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. Glad you're tuning in to listen. Hope you enjoy the show. All righty. And uh, we're also going to have with us, we're going to introduce him a, later, a little later on, uh, NFL standout, businessman, community leader, Mr. Damian Williams. And we're going to give an official introduction in about 25 to 30 minutes. And uh, we want all of our listeners to, uh, you're in for a treat tonight. As you know, we cover all the sports, but we also make sure our women's athletics, and we cover all five HBCU conferences, the CIAA, the SIAC, the MEAC, the SWAC, and the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. Mm-hmm. We'll get started with sports. We're going to give just about a 15 seconds of silence. Another tragedy over in Libya. Over 10,000 and counting lives lost in the drowning. A moment of silence. Okay. Thank you. Dr. Kemp, I'm going to come to you on this story. Let me read a little bit. Devastating floods from Storm Daniel have left at least 5,000 people dead and around 10,000 more missing in Libya. That was in the beginning. And it also states that over 30,000 people have been misplaced. So one week earlier, Morocco, earthquakes, and now Libya. And what they say is, they say the heavy rains from the storm caused two dams in the northern city of Derna to burst, washing away homes, neighborhoods, and flooding streets. Here we go again. Dr. Kemp, give me your thoughts. I mean, yes. I mean, what a tragic, you know, it's just, you know, your life can be changed within a second. And I was also reading that like a lot of the, um, a lot of people, it happened at night. So also, so a lot of people were asleep. Um, so it's just like, you don't even, you don't, you don't have a chance. You don't see it coming. You know, what, what do you do? It, you know, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's just so tragic. My heart goes out to their country, uh, regardless of what happened in, you know, the past with everything else historically, you know, but you, they are just, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. So just praying, praying for Libya, praying for their country. Yeah, as, as we look at these uh, natural events that are unfolding over the last, let's just say two months, mm-hmm. I think that we're getting the message that this is a world community and that we have to look out for each other. Two incidents in Africa. But if you just remember the month before, it was in Hawaii, one of our states. And mm-hmm. it could be anywhere in the world. So while we all are fighting for power, and dominance over each other, and political power. Uh, I think the man upstairs is showing us that we all in this thing together, whether we like it or not. Hmm? Dr. Kemp? I totally agree. And they better wake up if they don't see it coming. Um, 
you know, because all of this fighting and bickering it is unnecessary at the end of the day when you go through something like that. Because um, he's coming and they better be aware of it. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks so much. We're going to stay on top of this as we always start our show. We, we love sports. We're going to get to sports. But we also care about the world that we live in. Now, our woman of the month, Dr. Kemp, Miss Billy Jean King. All right. In fact, Billy Jean King says <clears throat> the reason she's done what she's done and fought for equality so much is so people like Coco Golf <laughs> can do what she does and uh, do what she did. Um, Billy Jean King fought for equality. And we're going to go into some of that tonight. Um, equal pay. She was the first woman, after protesting so much, to get equal pay in a tennis tournament. Uh, I believe it may have been the French Open. She received the same pay as Illy Nastasi back in the 70s. But Billie Jean King did not hold her tongue when it came to equality. At the time, she criticized many of the uh, Governmental agencies of a world of Christian sports. And at the time, she was married to Larry King. And uh, she was a, she stirred the pot. What do you think, Ms. Kemp? Yeah, she did, you know, and I mean, and she needed to, you know, back then because, and we all know, um, you know, just the history of it, you know, that, um, you know, we were women, when I say we, women were out there competing um you know with men and then for them not to be paid equally because some of them were just as good as their counterparts um you know i'm, I'm just happy that she did what she did and you know was able to get um the equality that she um, actually obtained especially for the ladies in tennis yeah and today um you see the coco golfs receiving three million dollar checks of course the william sisters in tennis really push that issue forward. Uh, Venus, both of them, but Venus in particular. And um, we continue to see this. It also transferred over into the sport of soccer, where Megan Rapino pushed for equal pay for the women's soccer teams, uh, the team that won the World Federation Cup a few years ago at USA. And now those pots for the U.S. men and the U.S. women are equal. So, hey, Billie Jean King, our Women of the Month, She's outstanding, and her imprint is still being left, not just on tennis, but the world. We have a couple of weeks with her, Miss Billie Jean King. Yeah. All righty. As we often do each week, we like to highlight women executives in sports who are making and have made a major difference that you rarely ever hear about. Let me give you one tonight. Nicole Whitman. Okay. Nicole Whitman, African-American female, at age 44, was hired in September 2013 to oversee the Los Angeles Dodgers organization charity arm after spending time working in investment banking, publishing, education, and for the Jack Robinson Foundation. Now, when they put her over this foundation, she had an uphill climb. They had to go through some rebranding, okay? They had a situation where the previous CEO was getting paid $400,000 and the corporation didn't have a $1.6 million budget. 
the Dodgers had to pay back the foundation they received the money from and restart all over. That's when they hired Ms. Whitmas. Since she's been there, uh, then they only had two staff members. Now they have 10 full-time staff members. They have uh, over $21 million in investment in the last five years that the foundation supports, okay? She has turned it all the way down. She stands at the top, and she's one of the few black women that hold a prominent role across Major League Baseball. She is a workforce. That's what she is. Dodgers President Stan Kasten said she's a force, and she really does a good job. Dr. Kim, what do you think about her? Let's give her a hand first. Another phenomenal woman, Dr. Burke, that you bring to light to us. Um, I enjoy, you know, getting to read about Miss um, Whitman and an HBCU grad from Spelman. All right, um, now. We'll yeah. give it to her. Let's give yeah. it to her. We'll give it to her. <laughs> All right. Got her degree in economics. See, you know, we need to always follow the money. And <laughs> I wish I knew that uh, in school. Uh, but I like her motto. She, you know, she said that when she, she said, I wake up every day feeling like it's my job to give back to people who I once was and sometimes people who I still am. So I, I can really appreciate the job that she has done, is doing. Um, her and her team for the LA Dodgers Foundation um, to help the homeless, to improve the homeless, you know, educate educate people, um, improve their health care, and as well as for social social justice, especially out there in LA. Yeah, and and, and one of the things that reading her story, Dr. Kemp, <clears throat> I love it when people step out of their comfort zone. Now she mm -hmm. was raised in Manhattan, New York but a parent sent her to a boarding school in Connecticut. She says that that boarding school, she was the only minority in her class. And while being a tough experience, she says by going through that has helped prepare her to take positions such as these when she may be the only minority in the room trying to pull others in the room. And so uh, that's to be applauded. What do you think, Doc? Mm-hmm. Yeah, ex exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and she's not afraid to, to do that. You know, she's not fearful because her past experience have helped her um, face those challenges. So she knows what it is, you know, when she steps up to the plate, what she has to do with no fear. Absolutely. Our Women Executive of the Week, Ms. Nicole Whitman. Yes, sir. Mm. All right, now, a little bit of difficulty here in tennis. You know, we just finished the U.S. Open, but two-time Grand Slam champion, she was a champion just a few years ago, of the French in 2018, Wimbledon in 2019. Number one, Simona Halep has been suspended by tennis world for mm -hmm. doping. It's her second time. In October 2022, she was found with dope in her system. 
and now they found it again. She's trying to appeal, but they've given up a four-year suspension. What do you think about it, Doc? Yeah, I, I read that. Um, and then the ironic part of her story is she was actually previously accused, Maria was Sharapova, for doping yeah. um, in the past. And I mean, you know, and it's like now she was found guilty of pretty much doing the same thing by an independent tribunal committee. So it wasn't, you know, just somebody, you know, people are just accusing her, um, but this was, um, you know, uh, a, her her a committee, you know, who actually um, found her guilty of this. So you sometimes you have to be careful what you say out loud about people and, you know, make sure not to say that she was, you know, she, knew who's who's to say you know if she knew um you know that she would get caught for for doping but you know you just sometimes have to be careful you know because things may come back around you know to to bite you when you are out there accusing you know other people well when you're number one in the world you're going to get tested okay <laughs> so so you know the number 89th player may not but when you're the number one ranked player in the world or in the top 10, they're going to test you every tournament. So um, good luck on her appeal. But I think she's going to be out of tennis for a while, especially with this being her second offense. You know? Yeah. 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 Hopefully, you know, hopefully everything will work out for her. Um, you yep. know, going forward. Yep. All right. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. We want to get into our volleyball. As we said, we're going to cover it extensively this year. And this week, we're talking about the CIAA. <clears throat> and we're also talking about the SIAC, men and women's volleyball, and then the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. Next week, we'll go to our other conferences, OK? So let's let's go. CIAA, and uh, here are the standards. Now, you know in the CIAA, they have another division, and they have the Southern Division. And we just mm -hmm. go to the overall scores because most teams haven't played many conference games. Northern Division, Virginia Union, five and three. Lincoln out of PA, one and one. Bluefield State, two and six. Elizabeth City State, three and nine. Virginia State, one and seven. And Bowie State is one and 10. In the Southern Division, Shaw, 10 and four. Claflin, three and two. Winston-Salem State, two and five. Fairfield State, three and nine. Livingston, one and five. Johnson C. Smith, 0 and 5, and St. Saint Augustine, 0 and 3. Interesting, Dr. Kemp, Elizabeth City State, who won the whole thing last year, are starting out 3 and 9. They haven't played any conference games yet, but right. they're starting out 3 and 9. Interesting. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, because um, I would have definitely put them up there, of course. You know, I would have thought that they would have held down their previous uh, <laughs> position at number one but uh virginia union is coming out um you know playing hard and kicking tail in the northern division so, <laughs> so they yeah. like, mm, we're trying to win it this year so we, we're gonna see what's gonna happen come tournament time uh -huh. yeah let's go siac women's volleyball and uh we still going to overall records again okay uh in the Eastern and Western Division, here's the East. Edward Waters, three and three. Albany State, four and eight. Benedict, five and two. Savannah State, five and two. 
Clark Atlanta, three and four, Fort Valley State, four and five, and Allen, four and five. In the Western Division, Miles College, three and four, Central State, one and 16, Lane College, four and 11, Lamont Owen, one and four, Spring Hill, eight and three, the defending champions over the last four years. Tuskegee, 0 and four, and Kentucky State is 0 and nine. Again, all of them are about to get into playing their conference schedules, so that really doesn't mean that much yet. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll catch up next week for the men on the SIAC Volleyball. But let me get to the third one. The Gulf Coast Athletic Conference women. That's all they have. Dillard, Dr. Ashley, was on here last week as a guest. They are 5-0 and in conference play and 10-5 and overall. Talladega, just joined the conference, 5-1 and conference play, 13-6 overall. Bisk University in third place, 3-2 and in conference play, 5-10 and overall. Philander Smith, the defending champions in volleyball, 3-3. Three and three. All right, conference play, 5-6 and six overall. Wiley out of Texas, 2-3 and three conference, 2-9 and nine overall. Rust, 1-3 and 3-12. and, three and 12. Southern University of New Orleans, 0-1 and 0-1. And and Oakwood, 0-3 conference play, 2-4 and four overall. And Tugaloo is 0-3 in conference plays and 1-10 and overall. So the Gulf Coast, the only um, NAIA conference, is further along in their conference play. So we're, we're going to continue to go with that, Dr. Kemp. And uh, we're going to keep up on top of the women's volleyball. We'll get back to Division One next week. Let's give it up. HBCU Volleyball Scores. Yeah. Go ahead, Dr. Kemp. Will you say something, Dr. Kemp? Yeah, I just had to let, you know, let the crowd die down a little bit. So. <laughs> All, right. Um, All right. You know, after having um, Coach on Coach Johnson on last week, it is not uh -huh. to my surprise that Dillard is 5-0 and on the conference and they're overall. <laughs> yeah. It's 10 and 5, you know, their record because she was not playing last week. Um, so I, I can understand why they are they are in first. Oh, she educated us about the game for sure. Oh, and yeah. um, we want to say welcome to some of our guests. Uh, Dr. Mar Maria Kimbrough Drew is on. The CEO of Playbook Investors Network, Rodney Woods, is on, a former guest as well. And so welcome everybody to the show. And uh, we're all those who are engaged in our audience as well listening, we want to say welcome to the show. Let's talk one more thing before we go to break, and then we're going to come back, and that is the WNBA playoffs. Now, first, before we get there, let's talk about the awards that they have. They just finished the regular season, and they have voted um, – Asia Wilson, the Defensive Player of the Year, and Stewart, for the Liberty, the MVP. You could go either way with that. I'll take your pick. And then you have Stephanie White, Coach of the Year from the Connecticut Sun, Jewel Lloyd, Peak Performance, because she led the league in scoring. And then, of course, you have Vandersloot, who led an assist, who also plays with the Liberty. I'll tell you the one that has snuck up on us, Alicia Clark. She's the sixth woman of the year for the Aces, okay, Las Vegas. And I think Candace Parker's injury has set it up, but this young lady has stepped it up 
And she is what? She is the sixth man of the year award. And so, you know, that's what we have on our awards. Let's give it up just for the award winners right now. Yeah. Some of these series, some of the series are ongoing in the first round. Uh, let's go first to the one that is over already. The Aces beat the Chicago Sky 2-0. So they moved on to the semifinals. Uh, Dr. Kemp, did you see any of that series? Um, not a whole lot. Uh, not a whole lot. I just saw a little bit. Um, uh, I think I saw the, like, the last, the previous game where the Aces yeah. um, you know, won. In, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, uh, Asia Wilson, she had 38 points. I don't know how many rebounds. They have nothing for inside. And um, she's just a, a dominant player who can really shoot to be a big girl. And uh, they on to the next round. Uh, Chicago has nothing to be embarrassed about. They had nothing for them. Okay. Let me go to the other series, though. The Connecticut Sun and Minnesota Lynx are tied up 1-1. The Connecticut Sun blew out the Lynx in the first game. But this past Sunday, uh, the Lynx, Minnesota Lynx, Safisha Collier came back with a strong game. They're going back to Minnesota uh, for the deciding <coughs> game three. And that one is up in the air. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, tonight, you have some games going on as well. Uh, the Dallas Wings, Atlanta Dream. New York Liberty, who are leading the Washington Mystics 1-0, Liberty, and Dallas 1-0 over the Dream. They're playing tonight. So we're going to see how those games turn out as well. Uh, Dr. King, I know that you said um, you're still going with it, the Aces and Liberty in the finals. Yep. <laughs> All right. We're going to stick with that. We're going to stick with that. I'm going to hang tough on, on those two. We'll see what uh, happens. <laughs> that sounds that. good yeah. sounds good we're going to go away we're going to take us about a minute break and we're coming right back Dr. Cliff Burton friends you got it Welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton, friends, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sport in HBCU athletics, and we give you so much more. I'm going to give you the rundown of the CIAA standings, the SIAC, this is football, and then we're going to continue it on with Jim Wardell in our men's segment. So let me give it to you. The standings, Northern Division, CIAA football, and again, these are overall records. Virginia State, 3-0, Virginia Union, 3-0, Bowie State, 2-1, Bluefield State, 1-2, Elizabeth City State, one and two, and Lincoln of PA, one and two. That's the Northern Division. In the Southern Division, Johnson C. Smith, two and one, Fayetteville State, one and two, Winston-Salem State, one and two, Liberty, zero oh and three, Shaw, zero oh and three, and St. Augustine is zero oh and three. So that's what you have, CIAA. 
Now, let me give it to you for the NCIC. This is Division Two week, okay? Let me write it down for you. Overall, Tuskegee, three and oh. Benedict, three and oh. Allen, two and oh. Fort Valley State, two and one. Miles, two and one. Savannah State, two and one. Albany State, one and two. Kentucky State, one and two. Central State, one and two. Edward Waters, Clark Atlanta, Morehouse, and Lane, oh and three overall, each of those teams. So there you have it. HBCU Division Two this week. We'll be going back to Division One next week. I'm going to end my my co-host Jim Waddell, and he's going to take us the rest of the way through. Or oh, Jim, I'm going to unmic yourself, unmic yourself, and take us the rest of the way through our men's sport. Jim. <clears throat> We're unmiking him here, Jim. Don't seem to be able to get him on. Okay, he's having a little bit of a technical technical difficulty, so I'll continue on with the scores here. Let's talk about this past week in the um, key games. We had some key games played, and uh, one of those games was what? It was Hampton. Hampton defeated defeated Howard, the battle of the what? HU. Okay, mm -hmm. it was a tight game. And in the end, Hampton pulled it out over Howard. Tennessee State kicked a field goal, I believe, at the end of their game, and they defeated Gardner Hill. Okay? Uh, a game that was played up here in New Jersey, a classic, Albany State defeated Morehouse. And then another key game, Allen staged a historic comeback. I believe they were down 21 points, and they came back. And uh, Allen defeated Kentucky State University. And last one, Southern University defeated Alabama A&M. Okay? Now, we'll get back to our Division One rundown. We're trying to get Jim through. But Dr. Kemp, let's talk about Colorado State in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to listen to the type in the chat. All right. Is Deion Sanders the best coach in the country? That's Kim. Talk on it. I, I got my shades on. Come on, Deion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my but, goodness. I love it. I yeah. love it. I cannot believe Deion had us up to 2 o'clock in the morning watching that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're 3-0 right now. And he still says he's – uh seven or eight players away. Probably on defense, they can get a lot stronger. Um, it was a great game. Shador Sanders is clearly one of, if not the best quarterback in the country. But one thing that happened during the game, and everybody knows, Travis Hunter got hurt on a play. Uh, the defensive back, his name was Blackburn for Colorado State. By the way, he played a very good game. Colorado came over and um, in an aggressive game, hit him a little late. Travis was hurt. And that young man, Blackburn, was receiving death threats. And Deion Sanders came out and spoke out against that and said, football, that man played a heck of a game. And in no way does he deserve death threats. And Deion Sanders is defending that defensive back that plays for Colorado State. So as competitive as Deion is, 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 is also as, as, as fair. He understands the game. 
What's your thoughts on that, Dr. Kim? And anybody else can type in the chat their thoughts as well. Yeah, ex ex exactly. You know, it's just, you know, it's just two teams out there competing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're in the moment. You, you, what do you expect for the player to just stop mid, you know, in his mid run, you know, without trying to, um, you know, hit hit his component, his opponent? I'm sorry. It's not that he was out there, you know, trying to hurt him or anything. He was just in the, the, the middle of the play. Um, so, and I, I'm glad that um, Coach um, Sanders came to, you know, his defense because they did. Colorado State played a really good game, and yep. they kept Colorado on their toes. Um, and, it, I mean, they just really made it very, very exciting, um, you know, to watch. And it was, mm -hmm. it was wonderful to see, you know, the two African-American head coaches, you know, just going at it and being able to coach the teams, you know, the way that – they did, and you know, and the teams, um, you know, playing competitively and showing, you know, at the end of the day, you know, um, sportsmanship, you know, at the end of sure. the day. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Shador Sanders was crediting his experience at Jackson State uh, for for being where he is as a quarterback right now, and and, and being able to come to the moment and bring his team back. I think through three touchdowns either in the fourth quarter and overtime. So he is, he's a clutch player. And he also <laughs> gives credit to Tom Brady, his hero, you know. What do you mm -hmm. think about it now? And, you know, and it and, and the one thing is it, it wasn't like, um, you know, it took the whole team to win that game. You know, it wasn't, you know, like it was only one or two players. Everybody got involved to win that game. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's going to take everybody to win the next few. Because I understand that Travis is going to be out for a week or two. But hey, Prime Time is still doing it. We'll talk some more next week about his interview on 60 Minutes. We won't go into it tonight. But um, hey, Colorado State is doing it. Number what, 18, 17 in the country? We're moving up. All right. A story that we wish we didn't have to talk about, but it's a follow up story from last week. Coach Mel Tucker at Michigan State has been fired, okay? And it's open story of last week. He was one of the highest, if not the highest paid college coach in the country. He beat Michigan twice a few years ago, just a $100 million contract. Sexual harassment, some things were uh, alleged that he stated on the phone. Well, he admitted it. And uh, they have had to let him go. What are your thoughts on that? now? In reference, this is the same college that they did not act with Dr. Nasser and the gymnast gymnastics team, but um, they they let him <laughs> let him go. Just give me your thoughts. We don't want to stay on it, but we want to talk about it, and stay on top of the story. What do you think, Dr. Kemp? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's it, it necessary. Uh, it's sad that um, you know he was fired and he put himself in that predicament. Um, you know, for, for it to come to this point, um, and you know, and and have these allegations, uh, you know, against him, and especially when um, you know you invite someone in to to come and speak to your team, you know, and then <coughs> you, know, mm -hmm. you know you um, you just didn't handle the situation professionally enough, you know, where it just 
you know, went the wrong way and now you your whole livelihood is gone. Yeah. We hope he could bounce back in one way or another, but it's a tough lesson learned. And mm -hmm. uh this is these policies are not new. Uh, I read yeah. about I read the contract that says uh something to the effect anything that would damage, you know, the moral um, part of the contract is uh, you're subject to being fired. And that's just the way it is. So you know I have to give kudos. I'm sad he's African American, but I have to give kudos to Michigan State for doing the right thing, tough as it is. You know, and they got blown out on the football field this last week. That's really hurts for the players. They didn't do anything, but that's the way it goes sometimes. All righty, all righty. We are going to take uh, just a minute break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to introduce and talk with Mr. Damian Williams. Yes. All righty. All right. Pamela Renee, qualifying broker, CEO, 2870 Peachtree Road, Suite 992, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. Pamela at PRenee, 404-964-4294. If you're looking for residential, commercial, land, builder, developer, and investor services, Pam is where you want to go. Right there in Georgia. Now, <clears throat> This next young man is a very, very interesting story. And I want to give it to you the best we can. Okay. Mr. Damien Williams, born May 26, 1988, a former American football wide receiver, played in the National Football League from 2010 to 2014 for the Tennessee Titans, Miami Dolphins, and the St. Louis Rams. And also previously played at the University of Arkansas and then at the University of Southern. California. Damian Williams, being a native of Springfield, Arkansas, where he earned accolades as an All-American in football, playing wide receiver and running back and defensive back. He began his college career at the University of Arkansas in 2006, but after a brief stint, he decided to transfer to the University of Southern California, where he became the first team All-Pac-10 as a wide receiver and first team punt returner and was named USC's team MVP. He was also awarded the John McKay Award given to the school's top student athlete. In 2010, Williams was selected with the 77th pick by the Tennessee Titans. He also spent time with the Dolphins and later St. Louis Rams. And it says after six professional seasons, he retired. During his career, he started the I Am Him Foundation to fund tutorial sessions for at-risk students in underserved communities. It was nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award as a Tennessee Titan in 2012. Williams has co-founded several businesses post-football 
and worked as an investment strategist for a wealth management company prior to Visa. He currently works on the Global Brand Partnership and Advocacy Team, reporting to Mr. Matt Story. Please join me in welcoming to our show none other than Mr. Damien Williams. Hello, Thanks. Mr. Williams. Can you hear me out there? I can, Dr. Burton. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it is it is a pleasure. I'm going to let Dr. Kemp, my co-host, say something to you and say, welcome you to the show. And we'll get started. Hi, uh, Mr. Williams, Damien. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. All righty. Before we get started, I want to thank the Playbook Investors Network, uh, CEO Rodney Woods and his director, Sonia Akins, have been very instrumental in uh, not just getting yourself, but working with our program. Mr. Woods was also CEO Woods, a guest a few weeks ago. And so before we get started, myself, Dr. Kemp, and uh, my co-host, Jim, who couldn't be on tonight or couldn't get on, want to say thank you to the Playbook Investors Network. Yes, yes, yes. All right. <clears throat> so, Mr. Williams, tell us how does a young man from Springdale, Arkansas, and football clearly was in your future, but tell us from in junior high, somewhere in that time frame, when did you realize that uh, God's given me a gift a little better than most of my peers to pursue this? <laughs> Yeah. When did it hit? Uh, to be honest with you, um, I was a baseball player growing up. Um, I always played football because I was really good at it, but uh, my passion was baseball. Um, oh. So I, uh, fun fact, um, I quit football twice in high school. Um, I just, to be honest with you, I didn't like getting hit. <laughs> That's like the, the, the non-glamorous part of the game, but I did it. I, I hated it. So uh, I remember one day telling my coach, like, look, if, if you want me to play, uh, you're going to have to let me play defense too because for every time that I get hit, somebody else on the other side of the field is going to get one too. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, he, he wound up letting me play, um, play defense then. I played safety, and uh, I was pretty dang good at it. And then we had a um, – we had one of our star receivers wound up breaking his leg um, my junior year. And then I think that's when I kind of like full time took over offense. I mean, I still played defense as well, but then I started playing offensive side full time. And, um, you know, I just I, I've always been blessed athletically. Um, and I came from a town where we had a lot of people who um, who are just like football minded people. I mean, I played for mm -hmm. Coach Gus Malzahn, who, uh, you know, he won a national championship with Cam, um, with Cam Newton at Auburn. He's now at, U at UCF as the head coach. Um, one of my assistant, uh, our assistant's offensive line coach, he's the head coach at the University of Missouri right now. Um, one of my uh, mentors, and he was a quarterback a couple years before me, um, but he was the um, – He's the coach at SMU, the head coach at SMU right now. So I, I just grew up in a town where, you know, football was king. And there was a lot of people that um, really poured into our athletics. So I think that not only was I, I naturally gifted and God really took care of me in that space, but I also was in an environment where 
you know, we kind of breed athletes and, and yeah. make sure that uh, kind of cultivate that environment for you to succeed. Mm-hmm. Now, you were playing two sports throughout junior high and high school or, or more than two? Three. 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 I yeah, want to ask you a question. track too. Okay, I figured that with all that speed. Okay, now <laughs> I want to ask you a question. Because today, with AAU for basketball, um, a lot of athletes are choosing one sport and work at it year round, as opposed to now. I, I played in the '80s, so I'm a little older than you. Okay, you're right. right. And people used to play three sports because you never know which one fits you. Not the one you think you can play in college or pros, but which one is best for you. Do you think that's hurting a lot of youngsters today to say, I'm a basketball player, or I'm a football and just work on that year round in high school? Um, It kind of depends. You know, I, I feel like, you know, if, you, if you're one of those kids that's like in junior high or high school and you're 6'5 already, 6'6, like I get it. Specializing in basketball, like yeah, you, you got the ticket. You're probably gonna be six seven, six eight, six ten, and and you you kind of know that already, right? So mm-hmm. I, I kind of understand specializing in, in that sport, but you know, for for average height kids or like people who um, you know, who aren't just it's kind of written on the wall for them. I recommend playing them all because, like you said, not only do you you don't know which one fits you the most. Um, because I mean, you never know until you get a chance to get out there and do it. But also you, you can learn a lot of different lessons from different sports. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, for me growing up, um, the reason that I was able to get to where I am today, even in my professional life outside of football is just simply from a lot of the lessons I learned playing sports and, and being able to go from one sport to another sport to another sport, because you don't really, you don't have to nest, you might have the same dog in you in every sport, but you don't think the same in every sport. You don't um, maneuver the same, um, you know, like the finesse part of the game. Uh, you pick up different things from different sports. And uh, I, I think overall it helps build, you know, your athletic prowess, but also your character as well. Sure. Mr. Wiz, I want to talk about something while we're still in high school, and I'm going to let Dr. Kemp get the next question in. Um, I often say that college graduates, businessmen like yourself, are built in high school and junior high. Someone with all of the glamour and the athletics going on had to emphasize the importance of academics and hitting your books. And Tell me those people at your high school, junior high level, that also coached you in that area for you to be this successful. Oh, man, I didn't have a choice. If you ever mm-hmm. met my parents, you would know. There was zero <laughs> choice at my house. Listen, my parents didn't play about two things, and that was respect for people and your grades. And if you mess those two up, you might as well give it up. There's nothing, no fun, no activities. You're not going to get to do anything you like. Um, so I, I, they were definitely on me very hard. They're very strict about, how about this? Um, when I was, so I had a 4.0 all the way until my freshman year of college. Uh Oh, let's put it in the cloud. Let's put it in the cloud. Hold on. Hold on. That's right. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. So I never failed. I never failed a test. Um, never had any of that situation. Right. So my, uh, I remember one time I got like a C on a test one time and I don't remember if it was that I just wasn't paying attention in class that day or what the situation was, 
But um, I wound up getting a C on a test. And I had a basketball game that day against our crosstown rivals. And my mom, like an <laughs> hour before the game, came to the school and told my coach I couldn't play. And told my team I couldn't play <laughs> because I got a C on a paper. It wasn't even a – actually, it wasn't even a test. It was a paper. See on the paper, and she was not playing. Um, and I think it was just I, I wasn't focused in school, you know, at that time, whatever. But um, yeah, they they didn't play those games. Mm-hmm. Dr. Kemp, yeah, just to piggyback off of that, um, Damien. So, uh, what advice, like today, would you give to the younger, <laughs> our young, our youth, um, especially our African American men? You know, in terms of trying to balance. Um, playing sports and for them to just see what the importance of, you know, getting their grades or keeping their grades up, especially moving forward. And if they are trying to, you know, just become successful. Well, you know, fortunately these days, a lot of the coaches are keeping people accountable for that. So, um, you know, like they're not allowing people to play if they're not eligible academically. And a lot of these places aren't letting you slide. I remember when I was a a little bit younger, you know, it, it was a little bit easier to to get through some stuff. If you were a star athlete, you know, you may be able to slide on a test here or, or at least be able to make up some homework or whatever. But I know nowadays a lot of these coaches and, and teachers aren't really putting up with that. So um, I think that, that that's one thing that that's pretty cool. But, you know, for me, I, I just tell people this, you know, sports can be taken away from you at any moment one wrong move one wrong step you know whatever the case may be uh, it may not even be your fault you know i see people get rolled up in a pile that had nothing to do with them and they got clipped from behind and careers over so you know that can be taken away at any time but your education is something no one can ever take away from you and, and the power of the brain and, and and your knowledge is something that nobody can take from you but you um and so i think that it's very important, you know, A, to just to learn and grasp and soak up information as you go. But also, you know, even if you are the GOAT and say you're Tom Brady and you play forever, right? You know, Tom Brady's what, 42 now? Mm-hmm. Like he's still got a whole half of his life to live. And and he's got to do something with that. It doesn't do you any good to make all that money and then you, you don't have a, any, any brains to put behind it after you you know, after you move forward. So, you know, I, I think that it's always, uh, obviously my parents kind of drilled it into me, but I, I'm very glad they did because it's, it's been, you know, helped leaps and bounds for me going forward. Mm-hmm. Damon, I'm going to ask a question, oh, Mr. Williams, I'm sorry. And then my co-host Jim was able to get through, it looks like uh, technically. So we'll let him take the next one or two. Um, you had great parents, but, you have a program, I Am Him Foundation, and it funds tutorial sessions for at-risk students. Now, the realism of it is, the statistics say that a lot of, over 50% of these at-risk students don't have those parents. How do you advise those young men to still go on in spite of circumstances in front of them and become very successful? And tell us about a little more of this program. It's a great program, this tutorial. Tell us about it and, and your oh, philosophy. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, basically it started um, in, um, it started when I was in Tennessee. Um, and 
I went to a school one time and I was just, uh, you know, I was talking to some kids and I had this guy come up to me and he, he basically, it was a uh, middle school and he basically was like, hey, look, man, um, I really appreciate you talking to me. You know, I don't have anybody at home to help me with this, that, and the third, whatever. And, you know, I started thinking about how many people did it. And I remember when I was in high school, I had a friend that um, he was actually one of the most brilliant people I'd ever met in my life but he just wasn't good at math. And so when it came down to like all his other grades were C's, B's, A's and whatnot, but in math, he, he just struggled. And I've always thought that it was really unfair for kids to not be able to get into college or not be able to, you know, do programs that they want to just because they're deficient in one area. You know, you go to college to find a major and do and f focus on one thing, but in order to get into college, you have to be good at everything. And I've always thought that, that was really unfair. Um, so that's the reason that I started the foundation. Um, I, I basically just wanted to be able to give some kids a platform to get the same help that I was afforded at home elsewhere. And, you know, and a lot of times, you know, we can't afford that. And so, um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. So basically what we did is we scholarship the tutoring for them. And, um, you know, I, I went to a bunch of different schools. I talked to different counselors and, um, and part of it was, you know, at risk students, but it was also at risk students that wanted to be there because, you know, there, there are some that, that really just don't care regardless. So um, I, I didn't want to to take on those people, but it was, um, you know, it, it was really cool. And I, I got to help a lot of people achieve their goals. And that that's probably the most satisfying part of it all. All righty. Jim, I'll let you ask a question. Uh, hello, can you hear me? Yes, yes sir. Okay, how did a young man from grew up in Arkansas end up in LA at USC? <laughs> Jim, have you ever been to Arkansas? <laughs> uh, yeah. Then you know how I got it. <laughs> I, um, I let me tell you something. I, I love my home. I really do. I love my home. I, I'm a proud Arkansan. I'm glad to be from there. Uh, that community literally helped raise and helped raise me, um, and, and I love it. Um, but one thing I realized when I got to college was that being from a small town in a, one of the smaller states, that um, I just didn't know a whole lot about everywhere else, um, and it, it's not a knock it's just you know you don't know what you don't know and a lot of people from arkansas don't generally travel outside of arkansas so even to being able to like come back and bring you that information there's not a lot of it so um i, I was you know I, when the transfer situation happened i um you know i i just wasn't happy with the situation i was in um, I wanted a fresh start, and I felt like getting as far away from home as possible would be the, the best start for me. Um, and New York wasn't an option because I don't do the cold. So <laughs> Southern California was it. <laughs> now, in your right, Southern Cal days, were you? did you play for Pete Carroll? I did. I was the last of Pete Carroll's uh, – I was the last class of Pete Carroll. Uh, I actually have a really funny story about that. Um, I was trying to decide if I was going to um, use my last year of school or leave early. And so I had uh, breakfast with Coach Carroll and his wife and my parents. 
um, one day, um, you know, right before it was, I had to declare whether or not I was going to go in the draft or not. And while we were at his house, uh, we had just finished breakfast or whatnot. They turned the, they were taking us in a tour of the house and, uh, he turned on this theater and when the curtain opened, ESPN just happened to come on and somebody had leaked that day. It literally said, as soon as he turned it on, it said, breaking news, Pete Carroll to the Seattle Seahawks. Now he didn't tell me this (laughs) because somebody had leaked the information. It wasn't supposed to come out till like later that day. Um, so that was the same day I decided to go to the NFL as well. Now, did you play on the national championship team? I did not. I came the year after that, and then I was there for the next three years. Oh, okay. But you still, just, I guess. Just, you, oh, go ahead, Jim. Just quickly, you, you, USC probably prepared you more for the pros than Arkansas would have, correct? Um, you know what? I, I'll say this. I think that USC and definitely that's not a slight on Arkansas. Yeah, no, not at all, not at all. Um, I, I think that I was fortunate to be on a really good team at Arkansas. You know, we had Darren McFadden, Peyton Hillis, Felix Jones. Like, we had a three-headed monster in the backfield and a really good defense, um, and, and we were very talented. But our depth wasn't as as deep as it was at SC. When I went to USC, I mean, our we had dudes on our team that didn't even play that were phenomenal uh prime example clay matthews was a special teams warrior on our team Mm. he didn't play that much on defense um he was a special teams warrior and he wound up being a first round pick um so i think just the depth that we were that we had on that team was um it was phenomenal and it allowed us you know to all get better on the daily because even if you weren't going against a first stringer, you were still going against somebody who was, I mean, basically a, a league prospect. Wow. Wow. Mr. Mr. Williams, so you finish up at USD, all pack 12 player, and you head to the NFL. I know your parents gave you the advice, and I know you're into business. I was reading up on you. But what advice do you give to the young people stepping into that world to try to prevent or be prepared for the financial income you're going to get to avoid the early mistake? Because football, as you said, doesn't last forever. And we see the statistics say three quarters of not just NFL, NBA players, some of them end up without a dime. So from the business perspective, what advice do you give for these guys coming out today who are projected to be in the NFL? What would you say to them? Or in life? Uh, you know what? What I will say is find a mentor and somebody who you, if you have access to it, find a mentor or someone that you know that has that type of money. Because at the at the end of the day it's very hard to tell someone how to handle something that you've never handled um you can give your best advice you can give you know and it can all be with love and you can give you know everything you can but if you've never seen or worked with or been around someone who's had that type of money it's very difficult to advise in that situation um 
fortunately now there's so many podcasts and and so many media outlets that that have financial literacy that um you know you can kind of just tap in and plug in wherever it makes sense but i would say to find a mentor or somebody that you know especially when you first get in the league find somebody who's been in the league for for multiple years and, and attach onto them and ask them about how they've handled their finances um i i think that th the concept is is really unfair and you know it's kind of you know six in one hand half a dozen in the other right like everybody wants to have that kind of money um at, at whatever point and whatever juncture that you get it but being that a lot of people are getting that type of money so young and have never had any money at all before mm -hmm. so they've never even had a chance to practice budgeting or had a chance to see what it felt like to take a loss and like never want to do that again or any of that right so a lot of times you get these players who are too young to have that type of money and they're only too well maybe not too young but they're uneducated on the financial background of having that type of money then they get that type of money then they blow that type of money because they don't have the financial literacy and financial ed education and then people drag them through the mud and say you know how could you have done that? Or if I would have had this, I would have done that or this, that, and the third. And I think that's a really unfair concept or, you know, the way that that aligns. I think that that whole situation is kind of unfair. So I would say to just find some people, um, some mentors, um, people that you know that are even doing well in just in, in business. You know, somebody from your hometown that's that's a businessman that, or woman that you know um, personally, or that, you know, somebody that knows, follow them and see what they're doing, see the type of moves they're making and, and really listen and lock in. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me ask you this. Go ahead, Jim. If you had, if I, if I were a 14 year old high schooler right now, and I came up to you and said, Mr. Williams, I want to play in NFL or even NBA. What should I do in high school to prepare me for that? <laughs> I would say two things. A, get your education, um, because regardless, you're not going to play anywhere if, you, if you're not eligible. So first thing is to get your education. Um, and the second thing I would say is to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because in order to get to any of these next levels, you're going to have to go through some stuff that's not going to feel good whether it be with your family, whether it be missing out of stuff with, on stuff with your friends, whether it be the aches and pains that your body's going to have to go through and you're going to have to mentally wake up and fight through that, whether it's, you know, um, you know, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, all of those things are encompassed in this world. So um, I would say get used to being uncomfortable and and just always take care of your body, man. I think a lot of us, we don't realize what that really means. And that's eating right. That's getting your sleep at nighttime um, and going to bed early. Um, that's, you know, obviously you got to put in the extra work and whatnot. But I, I think that making sure you take care of your body, making sure you get your education, and then um, just being ready to be uncomfortable. And, and and work through that. I think those are the top three things. Mr. Williams, can Thank I ask you. you this question? When you played, I don't 
think NIL deals were in college, <laughs> right? No, you, they weren't. They came along right after you left. Okay. Do you think that this NIL, transfer portal, and those things are diverting too many athletes from getting the education? Because most mathematically will not play professional football, basketball, etc. And do you think some are focusing too much on just getting an NIL deal. They may have had the talent to get an NFL deal. What do you think about this NIL and those kind of things now? Because you, you didn't have it. I definitely did not. And I feel like uh, if anybody's got some back pay going on, go and send it my way. Because I feel like I might have made quite a bit at the time. But, um, you know, I, I think that obviously – the players make so much money for these schools, it's outrageous. So I believe that they should get paid. Um, I think that the structure of how they get paid needs to change, though. Um, I don't believe that a kid that's 17 in high school should be signing multi-million dollar deals before they've ever played a, a, a down on the field in college. Um, so I, I think that there could be a lot better ways to structure it um and i i'm working on a couple of those myself um in, in order to be able to help giving back um going forward but i think that um you know i i think it's a blessing that everybody's getting getting paid for their work um but i think that i think it's more important that people get paid for their work than um you know just throwing money out here for potential mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you were a wide receiver Yes, sir. Uh, did you watch the Colorado Colorado State game? I did. Because I want to know what did you think about that hit that that young man gave to Travis Hunter? Um, was it? I'll say this: it was a late hit. It was blatantly late. He knew what he was doing. Now, is it part of the game? Absolutely. That happens on almost every play. You just don't see it as much because the focus was on Travis at the time. But hits like that happen on almost every play. Um, and they don't throw people out of the game. I think um, Coach Prime did a great job of taking up after that kid. And yeah. um, I, I think that was the right thing to do. I mean, regardless, it, it's a game. You know? So, he, he, you know, you can't be making threats and, and that type of stuff. And, and, and he's a kid. At, at yeah, the same time, right. he's also a kid, right? Um, but, you know, like I said, it, it's part of the game. Everybody knows it. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like it was, like, dirty per se, but it was definitely late, and it was, you know, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Say that. Sure. So, um, Mr. Williams, how can we find out more about your foundation if we wanted to share that information with our youth? Um, so it's actually oh go ahead no no i was Sorry. just going to say just so they can learn more you know about wealth building and everything that you have to offer so currently right now uh, my foundation's not intact currently um i've moved a couple of times in the last um you know three or four years so i um i i kind of settled on the foundation a little but mm -hmm. um i am working on a couple of things that that will definitely center around financial education and um 
you know, mentorship and that type of stuff. And, and I'd be happy to get you some of that information um, after after the call for sure. Um, and also plugging in the pen. You know, I, I, I've got yep. a lot of yep. my information from Rodney. Um, yep. I hate to say this on air and tell anybody this in public, but that guy's a great mentor. <laughs> he knows a lot. Um, so I, I, I just plug in the pen, man. Uh, and like I said, Rodney's taught me so much just about business and, and how to position yourself and, and in procurement of deals and, you know, and actually, honestly, I look at life so much differently. Like I tell people this all the time. You know, I used to just walk, drive down the street and look at, hey, that's cool, this, that, and the third. And now I literally, when I'm driving, like I'll see a um, like a dumpster and be like, I wonder who paints that or who puts the wheels <laughs> on the bottom of that dumpster. You know, like, you know, my, my, my mental is just, it, it's expanded so much. So, um, and, and shout out to Rodney and Miss Sonia for, you know, just pouring into me and making sure that, you know, I don't falter as well because I have, uh, you know, like you said, I was an entrepreneur. I've taken some L's in my life, um, but I've also had a, a really cool support system around me that's been able to, you know, help build me back up when I do fall. And, um, you know, and my extended family is is Playbook Connect, Investors Network for sure. Yeah. And Mr. Lee, I, second, I just joined the Playbook Investors Network and I've attended a session online or so. And, and I've had the pleasure. And the privilege of knowing uh, CEO Woods since high school. I played football. Oh, I'm defense, so sorry. But he he was my quarterback. <laughs> and so when he tells you all these stories, how good he was, he really was. He really was. Oh, oh I know. <laughs> I, I play basketball with this man every Saturday morning. And it, uh -huh. it, as much as I hate to give him his props, he's actually really good. <laughs> yes, he, yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> For him to still be good at it, it's kind of crazy. But Amazing. He is. He, he's really yeah. Good. He, we played that too together, and uh, he's a great person. You got a great mentor there. And, um, you know, anything you want to let us know before we, we get off, I'll ask Jim and Marlo if they each have any other questions, and then we'll let you make a statement of what you want us to know. You're always welcome back. But, uh, Jim, any other questions? Okay. Marlo? Um, statements? Just want to say thank you so much, uh, Mr. Williams, for taking the time out to come on and share your knowledge, especially for our youth um, and us. Um, we definitely will continue to um, look for you to do great things and to uh, share your information with us. But we really appreciate you taking the time out um, you know, to join us this evening. No, absolutely. And thank you guys so much for having me. I, um, it's been a blast and, um, just thank you for creating a platform for people to come and tell their stories. Absolutely. You're always welcome back. Uh, for those listeners, we have 31 engaged tonight online. We want to thank you. We just started last November. One of our metrics or how many of our shows are downloaded. We thought it would take a year to get to 500. I want to announce that um, we started November 21st and we're already at 830. So thank you to all of you all for spreading the word. We want to continue to bring it to you. And I uh, want to thank Mr. CEO Woods, Sonia, Mr. Damian Williams, Playbook Investors Network. We're now on Tuesday nights, beginning tonight, not Monday anymore. Spread the word. And uh, We'll see you back in 168 hours from now. 
Again, Mr. Damian Williams, thank you so much. At the Cliff Burton Friends. Thank you, everybody. All righty. Thanks, guys. You got it.